Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. The NFL season is in full swing. You might not be at the game this year, but you can still be in on the action at Bet Online. Let's take a look at this week's NFL games. I had a rough week last week, but when I look at this week, two games I'll give you. I'll take Green Bay minus six at home versus Minnesota. I'm going to leave the Jets alone this week, okay? Uh, they're playing a tiny little bit better, and, and they're 19 and a half point underdogs at Kansas City, so I'll leave that alone. Uh, my second game I'll go with, how about the Miami Dolphins plus three and a half at home against the Los Angeles Rams? It's a tough matchup, but, you know, let's, let's uh, see what Tua can do in his first NFL start. So give me the Packers and the Miami Dolphins. From game spreads and totals to team, player, and coaching props, BetOnline gives you more options to wager than any place online. And there's always the online casino as well. It never closes. So head to betonline.ag today and take advantage of all the great sign-up bonuses. Again, that's betonline.ag and sign up today. BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts. Hello, everybody. Uh, welcome to another version of Bill Roden on Sports. I'm here in beautiful upstate New York in an undisclosed location. You know, we're, we'll remain that way, particularly with the election coming up. Uh, somebody said uh, the undefeated. They're wondering, um, you know, what kind of stuff can we do? Who's going to be in position to write some stuff on, uh, you know, on election day? And I said, well, I'll be out of pocket because I'll probably be in Canada. <laughs> I'll probably be driving up to the border, depending on how it turns out. So I may be out of, out of pocket. But anyway, enough of that. Uh, but here, then, uh, my friend and co-host, Jamal Murphy, holding it down in uh, Brooklyn, New York. Murph. What's up, Bill? Great to be here again. I'm a, I'm a little more uh, optimistic, just a tiny bit more optimistic than you for uh, next week. But, you know. Yeah. My eyes are open. Anything could happen. Keep but the I'm, engine I'm, running. I'm praying man. for the best. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, good. Anyway, uh, speaking speaking of the best, uh, our, our special guest today is uh, the great Kenny Blakeney. Uh, Kenny, as some of you know, uh, uh, played basketball at Duke, but he's gained great notoriety in the past couple of years of being the head coach of the Howard University Bisons. Um, he's going to be joining us and. A lot of great stuff happening in the Bison's program. They've got a lot of notoriety, uh, great recruiting class uh, that he'll tell you about. But um, very excited to have Kenny on the on the show. So, Coach Blakeney, welcome to Bros Pod. How you doing? What's up, Mr. Roden? How are you? Mr. Murphy, how you guys doing? Everybody well? Great. Yeah, it's all well. well. Um, so, so, listen, who, now who's that? Who's Who's children? Oh, I know, I know, uh, uh, Kenny, you have a three-month-old, right? I, I got a three-year-old who's who has a three, a three-year-old, three-year-old. Oh, three-year-old. She has so much energy, she scares caffeine. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God, God. Um, so anyway, listen, Kenny, let's, let's start. There's so much to grind to cover. 
Uh, hopefully, we'll we'll also get into your artistic stuff too, which is kind of compelling. But how are things looking, man? I mean, this has such, been such a bizarre for any any coach in any program. This has been so bizarre. What's this been like uh, for you? Just take us through what being the head coach at Howard and trying to get your program, you know, prepared for this season. What's it been like? Well, I think, uh, you know, to, to probably give you a full picture, we can start with the second week of March mm. uh, when we're down in Hampton, Virginia for the MEAC tournament. And at this time, the uh, Ivy League has canceled their season. The NBA, I think, has postponed their season at this time. Uh, and you're hearing a lot of rumblings about all of the other basketball conferences doing the same. That's right. Um, we played our first game against South Carolina State. We we're very fortunate to win that game. Came back the next day and played North Carolina A&T uh, and lost that game to a very, very well-coached and uh, talented team at A&T. And, uh, you know, I remember one of the last questions leaving the press conference that night was, you know, what's next for Howard University's men's basketball program? And I said, well, you know, we have this thing called COVID <laughs> that's coming down the pike that we need to try to be able to navigate to. And uh, that was kind of the, the, the start for us of what was our, our reality. We left the hotel the next morning. Uh, we got a phone call while we're driving back to campus that school was going to be canceled. Hmm. And at that point in time, it's like, okay, school is canceled. Everybody has to disperse at once and get home. Um, we had several kids on our team from other countries. Um, we had kids that are, you know, less fortunate than others that, you know, we had to be a little bit more uh, strategic with working with the university with getting everyone home. Um, and that was kind of the reality of it at that point in time for us. It just kind of hit us all at once. And it was, uh, it was like one of those, you know, 1980-something Mike Tyson punches. Huh. Um, that was just kind of like, all right, this is, this is different. This is serious. Uh, for me and my family, my, I was in D.C. My wife and three-year-old were in Harlem. Uh, my wife was going to work every day. My three-year-old was going to school every day. And it was just one of those things that I had to literally get in my car once we got back to campus and drive straight to New York to make sure they were okay. Um, for me, Bill, that turned into a three-and-a-half-week quarantine immediately um she lives when our apartment uh, that we had in new york was right around the corner from columbia hospital mm. and at that time new york was the epicenter of what was yeah. going on with the coronavirus mm. uh so every three to five minutes 24 hours a day we were hearing ambulances going by yeah and uh at that point it was just a little bit of a you know what the heck is going on i don't know what to do so let's just stay inside mm. um and that was kind of the beginning for us. And at that point, we had to try to take a step back. Uh, I guess me being a leader at, of our program, um, checking on our players, making sure they were good, but also what do we do and what do we implement now to, I think, occupy their time, uh, but also help them grow and develop, not in even on a basketball sense, but as a sense of, uh, of a man and, and, their, uh, and their maturation during this period that we all had so much time, uh, spare time, uh, you know, with at this point in time. So, you know, we implemented three different initiatives. Uh, one, we did a, a fundraiser with our student assistant fund. Uh, and with that fundraiser, we were able to raise money for students that were affected by COVID uh, or their families 
with either, you know, families losing jobs, families being furloughed, families that couldn't afford to travel uh, home immediately, uh, you know, from Howard. Uh, the second initiative that we did is we did a speaker series. Uh, we were very fortunate and lucky that to get you on the on the on the docket, uh, and we had you know over 25 speakers during that period, uh, talking about certainly everything COVID related. But you know during that period there was also a lot of social unrest going on in the country. George Floyd, Black Lives Matter. So it was one of those things where we had to uh, we had some very great uh, insightful conversations with some of the most well thought out. Uh, thought leaders in, in the country. Um, so that was really cool and really dope, I thought. And then the third thing is we teamed up with When We All Vote, which is a voter registration uh, initiative that's non, uh, nonpartisan, uh, that, you know, we, we use our social media, uh, you know, not being able to get outside uh, to register people to vote. So those were three things that I think were really positive for our program, really positive for our players. Uh, it got them socially and civically uh, engaged and, uh, you know, things that we're really proud of at Howard University. Wow. That was a lot. So what's it, what's it been like now? I mean, in, in the interim, I think, uh, tell me the time uh, you made, maybe this was before you made uh, news that you landed a great uh, uh, recruit. Uh, tell us about that. When was that? And uh, now this was, this was pre-COVID. That was pre-COVID, right? When you landed uh uh, no, sure. it was during COVID. It was during, during COVID. COVID. Yeah. Oh, wow, it was during yeah. COVID. How, how was that, man? Because it was such a big story uh, that you landed this top recruit and there were all types of stories about could this be the trend for uh, you know, HBCUs? How did, that, how did that come about? How did that come about to, to land that type of talent during COVID? Well, I think, I think the, one of the things that we, you know, we were really diligent in our recruitment of McCore. Um, I knew that there was a small opportunity. I did not know how big that opportunity was, but I was going to pursue it to someone either said yes or someone said no. Um, and during this period of social unrest, you know, we've done a number of things going back to last year at Howard with its homecoming. We had McCor on his official visit at Howard's homecoming. Uh, that was a huge, huge impression on him. Yeah. Uh, you know, quite honestly, it's probably... Uh, the first time that McCore has been around so many people of color uh, since he left his ha homeland of, of South Sudan. Mm -hmm. um, and I, I think it was kind of an eye opener for him to be quite honest. Um, and we knew that he had a good time. We knew that he really enjoyed himself. The question I think that we did not know is would he go to the NBA draft or not? Right. And that was the thing that was always a little bit for us, um, one of those things that was just kind of like a, uh, like a, a, you know, a, a toothache, right? We, we, we just didn't know how that was going to work out. Um, you know, Thon Maker, his cousin, had not uh, gone to college. He, he skipped that process and was able to go right to the NBA. And, you know, with McCore, he was a year removed from his high school graduating class, which made him draft eligible for the NBA. Mm -hmm. um, and I know that he wanted to get there as soon as possible, but we just kind of stayed diligent. Um, we kept doing our, our homework. We put together, you know, several presentations, marketing presentations that were probably over 120 pages for him. Um, and we just kind of, you know, dotted all our I's, crossed our T's, showed him that, 
you know, hey, this may be a better route for you than Australia. This may be a better route than you than the G League. This may even be a better route for you than the NBA if you're undrafted or a second-round draft pick. Um, we saw an opportunity that he could really build his brand and uh, have a chance to make, uh, you know, quote-unquote, marketing dollars as his college student-athlete. And, mm. and so that was the way that we approached it. Um, and during, you know, Black Lives Matter, the, the murder of, of Mr. George Floyd, um, and all the different things that we were having with the social unrest and COVID, I just kept on kind of hitting him like, hey, this would be a great opportunity if this is what you're going to do with everything going on. It would make a big statement about who you are as a person. And I think, you know, the way you're looking at uh, a more bigger picture uh, as a global citizen than just an athlete. Coach, you, meant, you mentioned early that you, you felt like you had a you had an opportunity you felt uh, to recruit him in the beginning what what gave you that inkling because if you just look at the level of program right. if, if it were like an East Tennessee state or something I doubt that they would think that so you you knew early on that there was something special about Howard that might attract him yeah 100 um, percent you know we have a brand that has resonated with many um, we have some of the most notable alums that have, uh, you know, done things for, uh, you know, our, our world as, as, you know, social people of change of, uh, you know, you got Thurgood Marshall, the first black Supreme Court justice, David Dinkins, the first black mayor of New York, uh, Governor Wilder, the first black governor of, of Virginia. You got Senator Harris right now, who's, you know, hopefully in line to be our next VP. There's so many alums that have, uh, positioned our university where we have be, become like the forefront of a lot of conversations going on during the social unrest uh, that I think that really helped us a whole lot. Um, but I think my relationship with, uh, with his guardian, uh, Mr. Ed Smith, uh, also helped a whole lot. Mm -hmm. um, Ed is a DC guy. He's a guy that grew up in my neighborhood. And even though we didn't know each other when he was in DC, um, it was just that bond that we had two Catholic League guys um, two DC guys, and there was a matter of trust and understanding there that I would do right by him, um, and in 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 this and what I'm telling him and what I'm showing him would would be the you know almost like it, it you you have to you can value it you can trust it you can it's something that's tangible, um, and and that's what he really that's what we really built on. So I get a phone call on Father's Day, having dinner with my family where. We're in, uh, you know, up in New York, and I, I miss a phone call because I'm barbecuing in the back. And then I, I get the phone, and I'm like, Ed Smith called. And I'm like, what the heck is going on? And it's him and McCor. And, you know, it's just like, hey, look, um, I, I'm calling you on Father's Day because I want you to remember this day forever. Uh -huh. I was like, okay. <laughs> Where are we going with the conversation? <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> and, and, and then, he, he, you know, it was like, you know, you said something to me in our last couple conversations about timing being a big part of everything. And I was like, okay, give me more. That's what I'm thinking in my head. Right. Um, and then he was like, you know, he said something that was very, I think, relevant to people of Washington, D.C. He was like, we need to do this for the people of Georgia Avenue. 
Mm. And I was like, okay. And I started to get chill bumps. And I'm like, so we doing this? (laughs) (laughs) And he was like, yeah, we're doing this. I'm like, holy bleep in my head. Right. Um, but I got to stay cool. Right. You know, because I'm on FaceTime. I, I, I got to right. stay cool. I got to, you know, I got to make sure that like because there's there's always situations where things are happening, but they're not concrete until they're finally concrete. Right. And that's so, what I was feeling. I was like, all right. So you're telling me that this is a go. You're telling me that you're coming to Howard. Like, I got to take your word because you've never given me anything different than your word. So I value that, I take it. And we started to kind of strategize about like dates of and how to release this thing. So I knew probably for about two weeks, he, you know, Father's Day, it, it was on that, that Sunday. He didn't announce till July 3rd. So I knew for, you know, I think 10 days, two weeks or something like that and couldn't say anything. Wow, that must've been tough. That must've been the toughest two weeks <laughs> in <laughs> your life. Great Father's Day present though. It was a great Father's Day, and thank God I got a cool wife that I could share stuff with. And when I had the, the, the like the nerd, you know, when I had that urge to say something to somebody, I'm like, I'll just talk to my wife. Right. Yeah, right, right, right. Um, but we had had a date planned, and McCore just got to the point where he was like, "I'm ready to do this now." Wow. So on July 3rd, I start hearing my phone buzz at like about 5:30 in the morning. And I'm thinking in my head, I'm like, oh, my God, what's happened? Like, is is everyone okay in my family? Is is something going on with one of my players? We're still in this COVID environment and heightened sense of, you know, things are are not right. Um, But my phone won't stop buzzing. And I, I see this text from, you know, a reporter. and He says, congratulations. And I'm like, congratulations on what? So I open up my phone, and at that point, at like 5.30 in the morning, I might have had 100 text messages. Wow. And I was like, I went from like saying okay to being like upset because I'm like, damn, we had this plan all set up. (laughs) So he released it. So he released it. Wow. He released it. So, um, you know, he was on the West Coast, and, you know, I'm on the East Coast. Uh, so I had to wait to around 11 o'clock my time to connect with everybody on the West coast to be like, okay, like, all right, now what's the game plan? Like, (laughs) how are we going to run with this thing now? So, uh, it was, it was, it was an interesting, uh, you know, interesting day and interesting morning, but I mean, what a blessing. Hey, Kenny, what was the reaction from uh, a lot of your colleagues? You know, I want to, in a couple of minutes, I want to go over, you, you have a fascinating, uh, career track. Um, but what was you, you, you spent a lot of time on the on the uh, recruiting path with a lot of folks, you know, beating the bushes and all that stuff. What was the reaction of a lot of the, the guys that you you know you recruited with and against? Yeah, I think it was it was really cool. Um, even in, in you know, I look, Mr. Bill, I'm a DC kid, so I'm always keeping 100 with you. Right. Um, and, and you know for the most part, people were really, really excited um, and happy for us. Um, They were happy for the moment. They were happy for HBCUs. They were happy for Howard. And that was really cool and really dope. Um, You know, there were some people that weren't happy. Mm. Um, There were some people that was hating. 
and I could sense it. I could feel it. And I, I knew um, my, my, you know, my, my instincts are, I'm a city kid. I got instincts that, you know, those kind of things. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, so I could tell, um, but I, I got, you know, the best call I got was, was coach K. Um, you know, he called me and, uh, I, I got my family in the car. He didn't know I had my family in the car. I was driving from New York to Washington, DC. And he just calls and, you know, it was like one of those Godfather calls. And the only thing he goes is, that's why they bleeping hired you. <laughs> that's right. why they bleeping hired you. And he was really pumped up and excited. And he goes, wow. probably didn't, you know, he, still, he goes, it probably happened faster than everybody thought, but that's why they hired you. And then hung up the phone on me. <laughs> Is that right? <laughs> That's oh, that, was, that was funny. Let me ask you, I want two, two follows before I turn it back over to, uh, to Murph. Uh, how has, um, how has uh, McCour's um, transition been? In other words, one thing to go to any place, homecoming. <laughs> you know, that's like, that's like going, some, going to a school during recess. And you're like, yeah, I'm going to go here. <laughs> you know. Especially but, Howard. Yes, man. <laughs> yeah, well. <laughs> Yeah, uh, but uh, Jamal went to North Carolina A and T. By the way, they mm-hmm. did some time there. Uh, and just for a thing, I went to Morgan, and so I know you guys never took us seriously. <laughs> uh, to, but what was his? What has his transition been like? Just although again, it's been weird because right. it's, it's during the pandemic. But what's it been like? No, it, it, it's been you know probably because of the pandemic, we've been able to just kind of lock it and focus. Um, you know, he's a, he's a young man that is such a professional. Mm. Um, and when I say that, like, you know, he wakes up at five o'clock in the morning, he eats like his meal, he's on the court at 6am. Uh, he does yoga at seven, you know, he Mm. does his lifting at eight, you know, he's doing, you know, he's back doing his homework or schoolwork. He's in the gym for practice at one, like, he is such a professional because he just, you know, being around Thon is his cousin uh, and being around that kind of professionalism that he's seen has given him a, a, such a, uh, I think, um, a focus where other things really don't matter. Like, you know, only thing I think really matters to him right now is his school, you know, playing basketball and playing some video games right now. And for us, that's probably been the best thing to help his transition um, because it, it hasn't been about his celebrity. Celebrity. It hasn't been about anything other than basketball right now, school, and his relationships with his teammates. So um, it, I think the transition has been great. I think the transition has been great, and he's done an amazing job of uh, fitting in and not fitting out. Mm. Uh, I mean, is one, his transition is one thing, but yours is something else. I'd like you to take us through that. The type of uh, person and decision-making you made as an 18, 19-year-old when you were at DeMassa in D.C. and Howard was there in D.C. Howard was right there for you. Uh, but you went from there to, to Duke, had a, had, a, had a good career at Duke. Uh, I just want to let people go through you because you really grind. I mean, you really... You, you, you've, you've done the work. So, you, you know, you played, obviously, at Duke under Coach under Krzyzewski. Uh, I think you were on the 18, 19, 1992 championship squad. Then it was time to do the work 
at, so you, you, you worked at James Madison under Lefty Drizel. Uh, then you were at LaSalle. Uh, then you were Mike Brace at Delaware. Uh, then you were at Seton Hall. Then you went back to Delaware. Then you went to Marshall. Uh, then you were with Tommy at, at, at Harvard. Uh, then you, you took a break and went to Under Armour. Then you went back and you joined staff at Columbia. And then night 2019, you got the gig uh, to be the, you, you got your shot to be the head coach. Just what was that? I mean, you've really done the work. You're in the trenches. A, what was, has been the evolution? First, let's talk about you as a, as a young man that took you from Duke past Howard you know, from I mean, from from the master past Howard to Duke, uh, and now you know being where you are. Just you, you, I want to hear about your evolution. Yeah, well, I, I think starting as at, a black as a black man. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I think you know, I, I, you know I'm always going to be transparent, and that's mm-hmm. I, that's sometimes a good thing, and sometimes it's not. Um, I, I don't know any different because that's mm-hmm. been a survival skill for me. Uh, you know, this being a being a city guy, you know, there's there's things that you have to do to survive. And uh, you either got to have game or you got to be a dude that's a stand up dude. Right. Mm-hmm. And, you know, being at the Matha uh, and growing up in D.C., I think a lot of people from the DMV, when I talk about the DMV, I'm talking about the District, Maryland and Virginia, uh, never took Howard seriously. And we never thought Howard cared about athletics. And, mm-hmm. and I don't know with you and Murph, you know, being A&T and, and Morgan, what your thoughts would be on that from other schools' perspectives. But people... We, we, we thought that about Howard, too. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, and that's what everybody from D.C. thinks. Um, and so myself, Coach Scott, and some of the other coaches that are at Howard right now are trying to change that narrative. And we're fighting, scratching, and clawing daily to be able to do that. Um, we know that, you know, people always thought in D.C. that Howard just cared about academics and partying. <laughs> so, so, but that was, uh, you know, so that's something that we're really trying to, to change. And not that, you know, we, we love that uh, our school is one of the top 80 schools in the country. Um, our alums are, you know, some of the most brilliant people that are walking the face of the earth and accomplished people. Um, but we want people from the DMV to really look at us as a program that it should be viable for serious student athletes. And, uh, you know, when I got the job, Howard had one young man on his team from DC, from the DMV. Uh, we have 10 right now in a wow. year. Wow. So we were able to kind of, you know, really tap into our network of uh, people that we have on, on staff. Um, so, you know, how, like I said, Howard was never, a, 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 you know, a school that people from DC looked at. Um, you can go back for, you know, back until almost like A.B. Williamson. A.B. did, I think, the best job of any, you know, coach over the last probably 40 years or so um, in keeping young men home. And hopefully I can kind of replicate a lot of that and some of his success that he had at Howard. Um, I think my journey, you know, at Duke and, uh, you know, Duke isn't the easy place to navigate, especially when you're an inner city black kid. that you know, haven't really been exposed to a lot of the things that you can see and find at a place like Duke. Um, So it was a culture shock. It was a learning experience. Um, It was a place where I, I, you know, I think I had an opportunity to grow. Um, But that growth was so different and unique because 
you're you're down in a place that's almost like Camelot. It's like a fantasy a little bit. Um, you're playing for one of the best coaches uh, to ever do it. You know, you're on TV every night. Um, you know, you're, you, you just everything about the situation is uh, it's a place that you got to really be ready for. And quite honestly, uh, I was ready to fake it. I wasn't ready to, to really, I think, get in there and do the work that I needed to do. And, uh, you know, that was a, it was a period of growth for me. Um, and I think that growth wasn't the growth that I really needed. It was the growth that was just at that time I needed to do to get by mm. uh, and survive. Mm. And uh, I think that that had probably, you know, it probably had put me on a track where I didn't really understand the work that I needed to do. Do you know what I mean? So I get out of, co I get out of playing. I graduated in 95. Um, I get into a, a you know situation where hey do I do I want to play? Um, I had a gig over in New Zealand. Uh, do I want to go to New Zealand? My agent said, hey, go look at a map and <laughs> <to> New Zealand. Because <laughs> right. it was one of those things like you won't be coming home anytime. That's so, right. Right. That's right. <laughs> and I, I looked at the map uh, and I was like, I don't think I want to go to New Zealand. Uh, so, uh, you know, Lefty Drizel, uh, gave me a call. Uh, one of his assistant coaches, uh, took a job at the university of Miami, uh, right before the season started. And he said, would you be interested in coaching? I'm like, yeah, you know, my background from DeMatha and coach Wooten, you know, that kind of, you know, thing like, yeah, I, I definitely, you know, it fits my pedigree. Um, so I jumped in it and, and, you know, it, it was tough being, being 23 years old and making three thousand uh, dollars you know and, and having to eat your meals at a at an undergraduate cafeteria i was the restricted earnings coach at james madison mm. and i'd gone to school where at that point christian leitner was a lottery pick uh bobby hurley was a lottery pick grant hill was a lottery pick like all of these guys that i had gone to school with and had played with were making millions and millions of dollars and i'm making three grand a for the year, you know? So uh, things like that really can affect the kid that's 23 and, that, and, and hasn't, hasn't gotten it all together yet. Mm -hmm. um, so a lot of my movement, uh, Mr. Bill, to be honest with you, as I'm going from you know, each school to each school, I'm trying to, in my head, figure out like which place is gonna give me the best option and opportunity to ultimately I think reach that, you know, situation of having a chance to make some money. Yeah. Yeah. And what did that, and what did that grind, because really is fascinating. I mean, to go over, I mean, you stayed it from one school to another, assistant systems are moving up. You know, just the other day, yesterday, I was on a, I moderated a panel at Arizona State, and the theme was Jamel Hill's 2019 article, for the Undefeated, uh, advocating that elite, athletes like McCour go to HB, you know, go to HBCUs. And I just wondered from your point, and I was asking everybody, well, is that really realistic? But knowing what you've known by being at these other programs, what is the challenge? I mean, you, you know, you, you, you were recruiting these, a lot of these athletes. Now you're at Howard. What is it about that grind that you were on and now being the head coach? You know, you know what the HBCUs have to offer. You know what they don't have to offer. I'm not just talking about Howard, but just in general. 
what are the obstacles uh, to that, and what are the what are the things that could actually make HBCUs desirable? Well, I, I think honestly, the thing there's not a lot of difference in HBCUs and these other mid-major colleges. I think there's a connotation that is something that needs to be dispelled. I think there needs to be a better. Uh, uh, I think there needs to be a better. Um, you know, the marketing and the branding of it has to be different because there's such a, a connotation about HBCUs and, and athletics or HBCUs and academics. Like, you know, I feel like our conference, the MIAC conference, like it's a really good conference. You have some really good coaches in this league and the league has gotten better over the last several years with, you know, Kevin Brodus joining the league. Um, you know, I think that what we've been able to do on the recruiting trail uh, and some of the things that, you know, getting McCore has elevated the league and in, in with its brand and marketing. But, you know, you got, you know, Eric Skeeters at, at Dell State, Juan Dixon at Coppin. You know, you got Coach Jones down at Norfolk State, Lavelle Moten, who's kind of like the, you know, one of the guys that's been there the longest and has done a terrific job. Like, you got some really good coaches in this league, man. And no one knows about our coaches. No one knows about our university. No one knows that we have good facilities in this league. Um, you know, it, it's Morgan State has a beautiful, beautiful facility, like gorgeous facility, man. And Coppin has one of the nicest mid-major facilities in the country. Mm. Florida A&M has a beautiful, gorgeous facility, but nobody knows that. So it's like, who's going to tell those stories? Who's going to market and who's going to brand us to allow us to be able to you know, go out and I think have the the, arm, the ammunition to be able to recruit, you know, a lot of these kids that, you know, people think we should be recruiting. You know, it's funny. Uh, uh, I was talking to David West, uh, who is a former, you know, who played mm -hmm. for Golden State and all that kind of stuff. And he brought us, <laughs> it was so funny. We're talking about the black coaches, black coaches, black coaches. And we said, you know, the reality is that because of integration, a lot of these kids you're talking about have never played for a black coach. You know what I'm saying? So intellectually, we're like, yeah, 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 yeah. But but realistically, you know, mm -hmm. if they if they if if you were their head coach, you probably may be one of the first black head coaches they've had. So and that I, I don't know, man. I mean, that kind of almost gets into this sort of slave mentality. Or not? I was you know, yeah. white man's ice is colder kind of thing, which seems like there's another thing you got to break through too. Everything you said, the facilities. Uh, being on TV, but playing for a, a, a black person, uh, and until you go through it, until you go to Howard, or until you go to A&T, or Morgan, or FAMU, and you're around your people, mm. you don't get it. You, just, you know, you don't realize, damn, what was I doing all, what was I doing all these years? Right. Yeah. yeah. No, you're, you're exactly right. It is one of those things, and it's, it's funny. I, I, was, uh, I had a great conversation with Eton Thomas. And one of the things we talked about is that, uh, you know, he was asking me a question about how I kind of coach and, and some of the things that my philosophy is around, uh, I think, mentoring young men. And, and the thing that I said is that, you know, I, I have a problem when white coaches yell at black young men mm. because it, it does get into that, you know, slave mentality kind of history and I think trauma that we've experienced as people. Um, and, and I, you know, so when you're talking about black coaches, like my last black coach was in junior high school. 
Wow. You know, wow, really? for my black, my last black coach was in junior high. Um, and that was at a DC public school. Um, so you're exactly right with that. And then you look at the power five schools where there's 65 different colleges, you know, there's only, I think eight black head coaches in power five schools. Right. Um, we have under a hundred black head coaches, uh, for division one basketball, when you're talking about over 350 schools. Right. So there is a disparity with that. And, uh, you know, that's something that, you know, as black coaches, we're talking about that on a regular to see if there's something that we can do to help and support young black assistants that are coming up in the ranks. Uh, but also, I think, educate our ADs and our, our administrations on the importance of young black men playing for black coaches. You know, black, you know, basketball is probably around anywhere between 65 to 70 percent black uh, at the division one level. And, you know, we got to get that representation uh, up to the point where that is, you know, if not equal or more. That was a story about uh, um, about the, the, the white coach screaming at kids. Uh, who was the coach uh, at? Um, Rutgers. Uh, no, no, no. Well, the him. There's, there's been a few. No, this is the, <laughs> this is the latest one. In fact, Etan Thomas. I think, oh, Wichita State. Wichita, Wichita State. State. Uh, this guy, uh, it seemed like he was going. Yeah. Marshall. It was, Marshall, it was going beyond screaming, but it, you're right. It was like the guy like Rutgers, uh, and, and I guess and it's not to say if you go to HBCU, nobody's going to scream at you. Trust me, I'm Alvin Morgan. <laughs> it just be, be a black man. <laughs> it just be a black man screaming at you. But 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 uh, you know Eddie Robinson, you kidding me? Um, is it different? I mean, is there? I mean, at some point, if you're the head coach, you got to be the head coach, you know, and, and you got to call guys out and all that kind of stuff. Is, is there a razor thin difference between being a, 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 a black man coaching a black young man or young woman uh, and, and a, a white coach coaching a, a black man or a black young woman? Yeah, I, I, it's our history. Mm-hmm. You know, it's our history and it's our, our society and it's our world. You know, if you look at the picture of our world right now, all of our leaders are old white men. You know, and that's been throughout, you know, time. We have uh, President Barack Obama in office for eight years. And, you know, like, you know, what we wouldn't do to have him in office right now. Right. You know? yeah. um, but, you know, it, it's just it's our history. Um, and I don't even think it's anything that I think it's something that may be conscious. I think it's something that may not be conscious. But, um you know, I, I just think because of our history, because of our country, um, because of how leadership is, because of the, the social economics uh, way that things are structured uh, here in America and all over the country for that for that means. Um, yeah, I, I do have I think there is a I think there is some some uh, a fine line with that and the way that it's handled and the way that people nurture and develop uh, student athletes. But but in particular, black student athletes. Right. No, I agree. And, and the person screaming knows who they're screaming at, you know, no, you know, cares for the person that they're screaming at. Like, you know, it, it gets a lot deeper than, you know, maybe someone else's understanding. A hundred percent. A hundred percent. With shoppers buying everything online these days, getting those holiday gifts for family and friends is going to be harder than ever. But no need to worry because our friends at Seattle Shirt Company have us covered. Jay and the team have an unbelievable selection of NFL and NBA jerseys for everyone on your list. These jerseys are 100% authentic, 
from current superstars like LeBron James to the all-time legends like Jim Brown, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, and Walter Payton, Seattle Shirt Company has it all. And right now, for our listeners, we have a special one-time only pre-Black Friday Cyber Monday deal. Everything you buy at seattleshirt.com is 30% off. So head to seattleshirt.com and enter the code BELIEVE, B-L-E-A-V, at checkout for 30% off of your entire order. Shipping is always free. Seattle Shirt Company, helping you get ready for the holidays a little bit early. Let me ask you this. Um, you know, when I when I first saw you went to you were you got the job at Howard, and I'm looking. You know, I look at your pedigree. You know, Morgan Wooten, Coach K, all you know, all the assistant coaching jobs, and you and you look at it, and you're like, oh, you know, this is a stepping stone. You know, try to get. You know, I'm sure he'll get another job later. But then when you think about it, I'm wondering. You know, when you look at Howard, you're from D.C. and the history of Howard in D.C. I was wondering if you think you can create a national program at Howard, similar to kind of similar to what Amaker has done at Harvard, which you were assistant coach at, you know, you know, in terms of recruiting wise, you know, funneling, you know, getting strong recruiting classes, which Amaker has done at Howard. I was wondering if you, if you look at Howard that way also. Yeah. Jamal, that's a great question. Uh, And I really appreciate you asking. Yeah. I I think there's, there's a couple programs that I I look at, Um, you know, being at, being at Harvard, when Tommy got the job, um, that program was almost like a D3 program. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, right. I walked into the offices and I remember Tommy and I, you know, looking at each other and we're kind of joking, like, <laughs> you know, the furniture doesn't match, you know, like the phones are out of date. Like you go in the lounge and it's, it, this is Harvard, right? You go to the lounge and, you know, you got furniture with holes in it. And we're like, you know, this is Harvard. Right. Like, and Tommy's whole thing was like, let's get the program up to the standards of Harvard. And he's worked his tail off in the last 12 years or so, 13 years, and has made that program and that job, I think probably one of the top 50 jobs in the country. Mm. Um, you know, Tommy's had some incredible opportunities, probably, you know, come to them uh, with other jobs that are, you know, probably incredible jobs and has turned all of them down to remain at, at Harvard. Um, you know, for me being a DC guy growing up here in, uh, in the, you know, I, I, grew, I was born in 71. So I saw what coach John Thompson did here at Georgetown. Yeah. And uh, that is kind of the, you know, along with having, you know, what Tommy's done there, taking that blueprint, seeing what coach John Thompson did in, at Georgetown, uh, with the university that was a great academic university, but didn't have anything outside of that. Um, watching him, I think, you know, recruit the right young man to come into Georgetown uh, that was an inner city kid, but also him having a great, having great instincts and intuition and knowing that that inner city young man can have success, success there on that campus and not embarrass him, not embarrass university, uh, but also could help them take that program from where it started in 72 when he took over to being a national power uh, within, you know, 10 years or so. Um, You know, that's how I look at Howard. And I think we have a brand that, you know, people recognize globally. um, And I think we can utilize that. 
I think we can be a Gonzaga. I think we can be a Butler in the Horizon League. I think we can be a San Diego State. I think we can be a St. Mary's. Mm. Those are some of the programs that I look at to say, like, you know, these are national programs that year in, year out are top 25 programs. Why can't it be us? Mm. Hey, uh, hey, Coach, uh, speaking of uh, great students, we've got uh, a a Howard Bison journalist on the line uh, in the program, Alex Williams, who you're going to be speaking with a little later for the undefeated, but she was bursting with a question uh, that she wanted to ask you. So this is uh, Alex Williams. She's a Roden fellow uh, from Howard and uh, she's got a question. So Alex, fire away. Hi coach. So you talked a little bit about knowing what Howard and other HBCUs need to do in order for that transition to happen so that more black athletes attend HBCUs and Howard. But I wanted to know what will you specifically do as the coach at Howard to make sure that this still happens? Uh, Alex, thank you for your question. And I appreciate you. uh, I appreciate it very much. Um, One of the things I've done is I've been actively, um, you know, I don't know if the word is soliciting, but fundraising for our university. We just got a a donation from uh, a gentleman named Randy Chen, who was actually a Duke grad. He lives in Taiwan uh, that donated, you know, a million dollars to our program. Um, So, you know, those are the things that I'm trying to do is, you know, like there's, there's certain things we had, uh, you know, we had a, a guy come on our, 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 our campus for an official visit last year. And uh, a friend of mine saw his, uh, saw him out in LA and just was like, hey man, how was Howard? You know, it was great. You know, what'd you think of the visit? I loved it. You know, could you go there? And, and his response was, man, they didn't even have crushed ice. And I'm like, you know, okay. So what the plan is, Alex, is to eliminate all the excuses. Like, can we build the infrastructure? Can we get a practice gym? Can we get our locker rooms? Can we get our offices? Can we do some minor aesthetic renovations to Burr Gymnasium? Can we get all this stuff in place? Can we get a, a crushed ice machine? <laughs> just we, for him. Yeah, just for him. <laughs> can we get all these things in place where a young man doesn't have an excuse not to come to Howard? And that's, the, that's kind of the plan. Like, let's eliminate the excuses and let's put it all on the table. And then if there's something else, another reason why a young man doesn't, you know, chooses another school because, you know, then, then we just lose that young man. But we don't want, we don't want to have a young man uh, use any excuses for not coming to Howard University. And, you know, you mentioned something, and uh, uh, Alex and I and some other Roden fellows talk about this all the time. At the same time, you have to want to do something. You know, that's just like falling in love or having, you know, at some point, you got to want to do it. I can't, there, there comes a point where I just can't talk you into wanting to be black or right. wanting to, wanting to come to a black institution. Some right. like we talked about earlier in the day about the white man's ice is colder. You will continue to make excuses until you say, you know what? Just like with Bacor, he wanted to be there. You, 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 you had to do the something, but at some point his heart was there. Uh, uh, but that's not what I wanted to ask you. But, but I mean, if you want to comment on it, but uh, you know what I'm saying? I mean, you talk about crushed ice. Like, Come on, brother. I mean, really? Crushed <laughs> ice? Is that, is that, is that it? <laughs> yeah, exactly. And that was, that was my whole thing. I'm like, that, that's some BS, right? Right. right. Like, he knew all along that he wasn't coming to Howard. Right. He wanted to come in, kick it for a weekend, enjoy homecoming, you know, have a good time. 
And for me, it's made me actually pull back on, I think, offering young men scholarships or, or offers to Howard. Um, it, it, it's made me be a little bit more selective mm-hmm. and to, uh, to be a little bit more uh, slow to, to almost pull that trigger um, because it was frustrating. Um, you know, when, when we bring a young man in and his family in, you know, with our budget where it was at last year, you know, that's, a, that's anywhere between a $7,000 to a $10,000 weekend visit. You know, right. and for a place like us at Howard, you know, is, is the pub really worth it? Right. Like, I, I don't right. know. I don't, you know, so it's a, it's a little bit of like a risk-reward kind of situation. And I didn't want to bring young men in and waste time and away from our players, a waste time away from my family uh, for a dude to come in and enjoy his, his weekend. Right. Yeah. At the, at the same time, though, you know, McCord's decision makes it cool, uh, you know, to some extent for, for kids to want to go to HBCUs. You had, you had Mikey Williams, um, the prospect, the high school prospect, uh, make a similar statement uh, earlier in the year saying that he, you know, he would go to HBCUs that got, that got tremendous amount of, uh, of attention. You know, I spoke to um, Udo Emma from the Compton magic uh, a couple of weeks ago. And he, and he said, after Mikey Williams made that statement, you know, everything changed in terms of, in terms of HBC, even on the West coast, people knowing about HBCUs right, right. and being aware of them and, 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 and them recruiting from his program. So do you think that, you know, this could, you know, people have been talking about, oh, this could open up the floodgates. But do you think it's a real possibility? I do think it's a possibility. I think it's going to be a slower, probably, process than what people would want to happen. Uh, it's, going to be, it's going to be like, you know, chipping the ice away a little bit. Um, and, and you got to keep on chipping. But you don't want to spin your wheels in a situation where you don't, where you come up short. Um, it's got to be strategic. And it's got to be something that you really feel can, can make happen. You know, if you, when you mentioned like McCord making this cool, when you think about McCord maker's decision since July 3rd, he's had over 1 billion social media impressions. <laughs> wow. 1 wow. billion, over 1 billion. You wow. know, that equates to over $4 million in marketing exposure for, him. Hmm. you know, um, you know, so the things that, you know, when you, when you, have a chance to kind of weigh this thing versus him going to potentially a power five school. If he would have gone to a power five school, that story would have been over in 24 hours. Exactly. He'd been one more guy. Just one more. Yeah, exactly. But his story is still continuing. And now once the season starts, you know, all of our guys, all of our games are going to be on, you know, probably on ESPN. I was going to ask that. Yeah. Yeah. All of our games are probably going to be on ESPN. Hmm. uh, One of the, one of the networks. So, like, you know, you, you do something like his decision has has kind of, uh, you know, changed HBCUs, changed Howard Athletics. Um, you know, if you look at our university, and this is something that I saw at Duke, when we won a national championship, there were more applicants uh, applying for, for, for Duke. Well, there's more applicants that are probably going to be applying for Howard, mm. right? And with those applicants, now you have a, a, a bigger pool to select from uh, students that are probably, you know, you get students with higher numbers now, better GPAs, better SATs. Now your U.S. News and World Report ranking goes up even more. You know, right. those things really help. Right. Bookstore sales. You know, people are going to want more Howard basketball gear. 
They want to buy maybe a McCore maker, you know, number four jersey at the bookstore. They may want a hat or something like that. I, I got so many requests for, hey, can you send me a Howard T-shirt now? <laughs> um, you know, but that's real. Now you talk about sponsorships. You know, now corporate sponsors want to have a, a relationship with, with, with your program because now, you know, at the, at the scorer's table, they can put their brand, which runs behind, you know, national TV ads and different things like that on the floor. Like, so all of those things help and they trickle down and they really change, uh, I think, an athletic department, a basketball program, but also enhance a university. Right. Our guest is the great Kenny Blakeney. He's the head basketball coach at Howard University, the Howard University. And can I just have two, two more things for me? One is, uh, uh, A, what, this puts a lot of pressure on you. I mean, it's one thing to, okay, you know, we were talking to the fellows the other day about getting access to all these great people like you. You know, it's one thing to get access. We can make call, but once you get the access, what are you going to do with it? <laughs> you know, and so now you're going to be on all these programs and all that. Do you feel pressure to now you got to, oh, I'm sure you always feel the pressure to win, but now it's just like, okay, you, you, you know, what are you going to do now? You got this guy, you got this team now. How are you going to, how are you going to win? Well, a couple things. One, one is, you know, we were four and 29 this year. <laughs> okay. I, like, I don't feel any pressure. <laughs> right, like right, right. for real like we win 10 games we win 12 games we win 14 games it's like you won 10 games more than you won last year right. like that's a major accomplishment so I, I don't feel pressure in that sense uh I felt pressure growing up uh in Washington D.C. when D.C. was the murder capital of the world trying to get home from practice or trying to get home from school or trying to get home from from visiting a friend uh that was pressure you know, this thing right here, uh, I, we'll be fine. We'll, we'll do our work. We'll compete. We'll play hard. And we'll let the chips fall where they may. But, you know, we won four games last year. Um, you know, our young men are, you know, our, our, our team GPA is at a 3.0, um, which I'm excited about. We have young men that are in our program that got uh, incredible opportunities at Wells Fargo's. We got one young man who's in a graduate program in finance. Uh, that has like a three seven eight GPA. Um, he's got offers from you know uh, the Craft Group and Analytics uh, Group up in in Massachusetts. He's got offers from UA. He's got offers from Wall Street. Like you know, that's what our university and our program's about. Um, you know, we'll win our games and we'll grow and develop. We got a young team, but shoot, we won four games last year, man. I'm like, we went if we win ten. We're six games better. We won 12. But I know what you're saying. We're supposed to – the expectations and the bar has risen. Um, but McCourt's one man. And, uh, you know, it took Jordan several years to, to get to the playoffs when he was at Chicago and then, you know, more to get to the get, – get by some teams. Uh, you know, we, we got McCourt for one, maybe possibly two. Um, you know, and that, that, that's, uh, that's the reality of it. Our young guys got to step up. We're trying to develop them. Uh, and that's going to help us, I think, build and develop a, a solid program moving forward. Yeah. Hey, uh, last thing for me, uh, uh, Kenny, in the back there, I know that you've got this artistic streak in you, and I know uh, Alex wants to talk to you about that in depth, but tell us a little bit about that piece. I know you've got a, you're, you're an artist as well. Mm. Just tell us a little bit about what piece is behind you and, and uh, sort of your, your artwork. So these are three pieces that I, I did 
probably around three years ago. Um, I created a 20 pieces for my house um, that I did. And these three right here are from uh, some designers that I, I admire. The one uh, furthest right uh, that's green and red, that is something that inspired me from Gucci. The one in the middle is something for from Goyard. Uh, and then the one on the left is something that inspired me from Louis Vuitton. Um, I had a fascination and still do with, with camo, um, with the camouflage. Uh, and I, I call camo like the urban khaki. Like, right. So, you know, every, like you got the, the khaki, the people wear khakis out in the suburbs, you know, people in, in the inner city, they, they wear camel. And that was kind of like the urban khakis. Um, and now the urban khakis has become tie dyed and dip dyed. Um, so that's probably going to be one of my next projects. But yeah, I, I've been doing art and, uh, and graphics for a while now. And those are three of the, some of the pieces that I have um, all over all over my house uh, that I've worked on. All the art that I have probably except for three pieces. So we may have about 25 to 30 pieces. All the, the art that I have in my house that I created um, right. along with, uh, with uh, one of my friends who helps out with some of the graphics. Wow. Before we let you go, in terms of this year, um, you know, I didn't, I didn't watch any Howard, Howard games last year, I'll admit. But I'm, I'm going to be watching some Howard games this year, for sure. And you said, that, you know, you'll have some national TV games. Um, what, what are your expectations for this season? You know, we, you got the pandemic, which I'm sure has thrown everything into flux. Um, you know, is McCor is one player enough to make a dent on the court in the MIAC? You, you, you know, you already told us that the MIAC is a little underrated. Um, you know, what do you think about this year? What, what, do, what do you expect? to see in terms of growth from the team or even, you know, win-loss record improvement? I, I think, Jamal, I'll start with, you know, I, I expect the unexpected for this season, uh, especially in COVID. Mm-hmm. And I, I say that with all sincerity and all seriousness. Um, you know, we've been very fortunate. We've had our guys on campus now for a minute. Um, we have them in, in, in as much of a, a bubble as we can possibly have. And those guys have been incredibly respectful of COVID and very diligent with how they've handled themselves. And we've had no positive cases. Um, they go from their apartment to the gym, uh, maybe to the grocery store, maybe to get a meal somewhere that's uh, close near campus. And that's kind of been uh, their, their footprint so far. Um, I know on Tuesday coming up, we have the election. Some of our guys that are local are going to be going back to their communities and voting. Um, I'm a little, uh, nervous about that, but uh, I'm happy that they're doing their their social duties and civic duties with uh, with being part of the election. Um, but our, our our thing can you know I've talked to several coaches around the country. Um, you know they're two weeks quarantine right now, right? And when that season's going and you have to you know pull the plug, um, you know everything just kind of stops. We've had uh, Bethune Cookman in our league this week just announced that they are opting out of uh, you know sports this year. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's going to completely change our schedule. Right. Um, we were going to have a north and south schedule. Now our schedule you know won't be decided until November 16th or or later in terms of the conference play. Um, you know I've had a couple of coaches call me up in the last couple of days just to confirm. 
if we still were going to play because, you know, they've gotten games canceled over the last week or so. Right. Um, in terms of our record, I, I really don't know what to expect. Um, McCourt is a hell of a player. I, and I think he's going to be one of the top five players in the country. Um, you know, he is a little bit of a machine, uh, a little bit of a, you know, almost like, you know, to the point where, you know, it, it's robotic. Like, and, and with me, I'm, I'm such kind of like a free spirit. I'm trying to inject my spirit on, on him being, you know, so methodical um, because I think that's really going to help him, uh, help him a whole lot. And, and uh, you know, but he's a guy that, you know, when I talk to him about some of his goals, I, I want him to be a guy that, you know, tries to average a triple-double because he's that talented. Uh, he's that good of a player. Um, so he's going to help us win some games, and our other guys are also going to help us win some games. You know, one of the things I did is I, I studied a lot of NBA teams over the summer. And I thought, like, the best way for us to really move the program along is for us to play at a pace and a tempo that gives us, you know, a high chance to score a lot of points. And, and the reason I, I, I thought that is because, like, we still need to develop, you know, young men like Steve Settles, uh, who's a 6'11 freshman that can play the one through the four fours, or Jordan Wood, who's a 6'10 freshman that can play the one through the four, or Wayne Bristol Jr., who's going to be a sophomore that was the rookie of the year uh, in our league last year in the MEAC or Raheem Ali, who's going to be a brilliant point guard over the next four years for us. Um, those guys still need to develop. And if we just kind of focused on McCore and just kind of say, okay, McCore, take 25, 30 shots a game, you know, we're really stymieing, stymieing the, the, the growth and development of those other guys. So, you know, that's kind of how I look at it. Uh, I hope we can, you know, win enough games and, and be there at the end to uh, cut down the nets at the MEAC tournament. But, you know, we still got to go through, you know, Morgan State. We got to go through North Carolina Central. We got to go through A&T. We got to go through Dell State. We got to go through, you know, Florida A&M. There's a lot of good teams in this league, and there's a lot of good coaches. Um, so it's going to be very tough for us. And But I think, you know, we'll be prepared, and we'll be ready to go each and every night out. Well, Kenny, you know that we're pulling for you. Yep. Yeah, except when you play Morgan. I was going to say that. <laughs> <laughs> or you do that. Or A&T. So that's two. <laughs> All right. Hey, uh, Kenny, yeah, man, uh, thank you so, uh, so much. Our guest has been the great Kenny Blakeney. He's the head basketball coach, Howard University, going into his uh, second year. Uh, last thing, man, uh, very quickly, what did you think about the NBA uh, uh, championship, the Lakers win the championship, and who are your top three of all time? Oh. Top three players of all time? Yes. We're going to pull ah. you into this. All right. So <laughs> I, I, I love what I love what, uh, what Adam Silver did with the NBA. Um, by far, I think he is the head and shoulders, the best commissioner in all of sports. Um, he's a Duke grad, so I'm going to be a little biased and partial to that, but you know, for him to identify early on that the only way that this thing was going to happen and uh, happen without any pauses or stoppages that, you know, you got to build the bubble, keep the guys in, go do an incredible job of testing. Um, you know, what a great job by him and, and the guys in the NBA. Um, in terms of uh, the Lakers winning it, you know, I, I this is funny, uh, Bill. I wear, I wear a Lakers hat or a Miami Heat hat to practice every day. 
either or. No, it just kind of goes with the outfit a little bit. And the reason I do it is because neither one of those teams made the NBA playoffs last year. Hmm. And now both of them played for a world championship. And that's a little bit like us. You know, we, we, we were 4-29. You know, uh, I love uh, uh, when McCore announced the only thing that still resonates in my head is Stephen A. Smith like laughing at our record saying four and 29. <laughs> like that, that I wake up to, that. I go to sleep to that and that drives and motivates me. Um, and I, I can't wait to us to have some success. If we're fortunate enough to do that, to, you know, be like, thank you for, for, for that motivation. Um, but you know that, so uh, in terms of your second question, my top three players of all times, um, I, I, I got to say, you know, LeBron, Jordan, and then Dr. J. Oh, wow. In that order? I think in that order for me, yes. Oh, okay, cool. Well, we agree. Not, not that, not that I, I, like, I, look, don't get me wrong. I think Jordan's the best. I think Jordan's the best. Okay. But I just love the way LeBron plays. He plays the game the right way, and not that Jordan didn't play the game the right way. Um, Jordan is, you know, six for six, never lost a series. Like, you know, all of those things, can't doubt, can't question. The most dominant guy that I've seen play the game. But I just love the way that LeBron plays. Cool. All right. Well, we agree. So we'll end on that high note. <laughs> <laughs> hey, Kenny, thanks so much, man. And, and seriously, the best of luck uh, this year. Done a great job on and off the court. So uh, best of luck. And we'll be checking in. Yeah, we'll and be watching. You got you got Alex Williams uh, there on campus, so she'll be you know she'll be checking in too. Absolutely, I appreciate you, Mr. Rhodes, and I appreciate you, Jamal. Very nice meeting you guys, Alex. Look forward to checking up uh, uh, soon. All right. Thanks all a right. lot. All right. Take all right. care now. Thank you. Good there stuff. you go. Yeah, good stuff. Good stuff, Alex. Good question there. Thank you. you. Know, we'll get you ready. Yeah. Hang around, Jamal. Uh, <laughs> Was that was that useful? Oh, hey, it's <laughs> Korean in the background. Hey, young man, what's going on? Hi. How you doing? Good. You getting ready? You getting ready to take over your dad's show? Maybe. Maybe. All right. Hey, well, look, man, that was great. Um, um, you know, I had a nice cameo from Alex Williams there. Got anything else uh, to wrap up with on the sports uh -huh. calendar? What's going on? Um, oh, 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 Dave, Major, Dave Roberts, yeah. Major League Baseball. Roberts Dave, Dave, hopefully, Dave hopefully, Roberts. yeah, hopefully he didn't get uh, COVID from um, Turner, oh, the third oh, baseman. My God, Did you see that? Yeah, Did that you see crazy. that, Alex? Did you see when uh, the guy, like, what the hell? Yeah. <laughs> uh, what do you think? Should they find? Should you think they should find him? Definitely. Should they find? Definitely. Um, yeah. <laughs> That's not even, I don't even think that's like a, a should they. It's, it's when they, when will they, how much will they find? Right. Yeah. Maybe, a, maybe a suspension also would be nice. Yeah. Well, the season's over. I mean, For next year. You know, a few games, you know, yeah. make us, you know. It depends on who wins the election. That's if, true. If, if, if Post 45 wins it, he'll probably make him Secretary of State. Yeah. You know? But anyway. Uh, uh, let's see what else. Uh, we got uh, Dave Roberts. Congratulations. Yeah, no, it was, a, it was actually a great World Series. I actually got into it. Yeah. Um, Tampa Bay was a tough out. Yeah. And I was watching, I was, you know, I was, I was tuning in to all that. I can't remember the last time 
I really watched baseball besides how much how much did COVID how much how, how much did COVID play in that seriously probably I don't know probably a lot though but I'm a you know I'm a, I'm a baseball you know I I appreciate baseball and I know you do like if it's good yeah. baseball right you can watch it so right. I, I I'm think down it, to in, in anything I mean even the NBA right I, I'm down to playoffs right you know playoffs better what what do you what Alex hey everybody this is Alex Williams from Howard University I think you heard her. she's a uh uh a uh, sophomore at Howard. Say something, Alex. Uh, what, you're a junior? I'm, I'm a junior this year. Oh, okay, you're a junior. Say something, Alex. Where are you from? I'm from the great city of New Orleans, Louisiana. The oh, best. nice. That's right, where so she the, is now. So the hurricane, echo, in, you got in, hit in, by in, the hurricane in, last night, I guess. You said you I did. Um, and we're still experiencing power outages throughout almost the entire city. So we're kind of dealing with that. And also hurricane season isn't over. So there's also the possibility that there might be another hurricane that might pop up. So what do y'all do down there? I mean, like, you guys have had hurricanes like other people have, have snowfall. What right. I mean, it's just something that we're kind of used to. But I think especially now, it just seems it's, a, it's almost like an every weekend type of thing. Um, and you don't really know how to prepare for it. You kind of just wait it out and you, you see the damages. Is it scary? Is it frightening? Or are you used to that too? I mean, definitely. Yesterday, the winds were about 60 miles per hour. Um, and you can imagine hearing that noise and shaking of a, of a house. That's something that's very scary. But I'm just glad that everyone was safe. Only one person um, died, unfortunately. He got electrocuted. Oh, wow. Right. But other than that, it's it's been pretty OK. We're just preparing and hoping that there's no other storm this weekend. Mm, wow. I forgot. I forgot to ask uh, Coach Blakeney this, but are students are students on campus at Howard? No, we're not. Um, and Howard actually hasn't made a decision yet if we're going to be back on campus for next semester. They haven't said anything yet. So it's strictly the sports program or the right. basketball team. Wow. That's interesting. Yeah. Yeah, the athletes can come risk their lives, but the students say, well, what do you think about that? that what do you what think do you about think that, Alex? That the, the, the players can be on campus, but the students, regular students can't. I mean, I think you've said this before, Mr. Roden, to me, but are the athletes super – athletes are not superhuman. Um <laughs> There's no reason, you know, that they should have the opportunity to be there and we can't either. Um, I think that's something, especially as a junior, I don't want the next time that I'm on campus to be my senior year. So I would have appreciated the opportunity to be on campus um, or at least be there for some classes and, and have that kind of hybrid schedule, but not to be there at all is something that did hurt, especially not being able to have a homecoming and different other activities you want to enjoy during your junior year of college. Yeah. Yeah, that's tough. I mean, it's really tough. And uh, what can you say? That's just going to be one of those. Maybe just make it up next year. I don't know how you make up for lost time. That could look nuts. You right. know, people just go berserk. You know, make it up for lost time. But uh, yeah. at, least you, at least, you know, maybe hopefully staying safe. You know, I was I was cover, uh, the uh, Big East Media Day was yesterday uh, virtually. And it struck me for the first time, you know, the the student, the players on the team, you know, there is no, there is no real bubble like there is in, uh, uh, in, you know, like there wasn't the NBA. It's, it's sort of similar to what the other sports are doing, but it's almost as if the, 
these these student athletes have to be you know there's so they have so much responsibility on them in terms of not getting sick you know exactly. so it's added responsibility whereas and, and they the coaches and you know the teams only have control over them for about four hours a day so yeah. the rest of the day is really just their responsibility to stay away from other people and not hang out with their friends you know, because if one of them gets sick, the whole team has to quarantine for two weeks. You could you could kill your whole team season. You know, it just seems like me. It's just an immense amount of responsibility for for like a eighteen year old. Yeah, yeah. Well, well, Turner too, a thirty three year old. Right. I mean, you know, irresponsibility has no right. age limit apparently. Um, yeah, I mean, the bubble. It seems like the bubble is really the only way to go. You know, I mean, realistically, and it's just too hard to you know to, to to do that but i don't know um, I mean, it, take, it takes a lot of money so you can say okay the universities might have might not have that the only one but but there's no excuse for the I nfl because they have I all know. the money uh, they got all the money they could create bubbles for everybody they create bubbles all over you know right uh, what else we got alex anything going on in your calendar any uh anything you're looking forward to coming up which i'm just curious you're down to orleans what's it been like Normally, I'd love to be in New Orleans, you know, yeah. hanging out, going to here. What do you what do you guys do? How do you hang out now? How do you, you know, what do you do for, you know, for, for fun? I mean, surprisingly enough, there's still people coming to the French quarters, um, wow. still on bourbon, still walking down the street, some with masks, some without masks. So that's been interesting um, because it's foreigners coming to New Orleans and possibly spreading the virus. That's not something that's great either. Right. Um, other than that, I mean, the city's pretty excited because the Saints have somehow are on a roll to win games. And hopefully we can continue that if Drew, you know, throws longer than 10 yards. We will see <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's, a lot, hey, that, that, that's a lot to ask for now. Just yeah. take, right, what you, right. take what you that's get. He is 40 plus. <laughs> that's right. That's right. Yeah, that, that, that's very perceptive. I wonder how defense, they're going to all start lining up 10 yards. The defense, everybody's 10 yards. You know, we you get out there. <laughs> that's so funny. Yeah, we'll, we'll see. Uh, what else we got? Uh, you know, uh, football's the only thing. Football's football. the only, yeah, the football's the only game in town right now. I know. I know. Um, yeah, so. All right. Well, listen, man, it was great. Great conversation with uh, Coach Blakeney. Looking forward to that. Looking forward, Alex, to seeing, reading your piece uh, in The Undefeated about uh, Coach Blakeney. Uh, you know, it was a good interview. You know? oh, yeah. Good interview. I hope you took good notes. Please uh, continue to subscribe and listen to Bill Roden on Sports on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. Spotify, Stitcher, wherever. Rate the show. Give us five stars. Review it. Um, when you review the show, it adds to the traffic, uh, gets it in more people's hands. So we love that. Uh, follow us on on social media at BrosPod on Twitter and at BrosPod on Instagram. We're doing a lot more stuff on Instagram, uh, putting a lot more clips up since we're doing a lot lot more video stuff. Uh, we have some good videos of the interview we did last week with Taylor Rooks. That was some good stuff. So check that out. And um, that's about it, Bill. All right. Well, this is another great show. Uh, Alex, be sure to tweet this out or Instagram this out. You know, yes, yes, even, e- yeah, even if it's just your segment, <laughs> that's what she'll, she'll do. She'll put her that's, segment. That's fine. That's fine. <laughs> Thank you for uh, having me. Oh no, it's my pleasure. She said, she said, oh, you put me on the spot. I said, well, 
You know, come on. <laughs> That's what it's all about. That's what it's all about, being on the spot and performing. Yeah, performing. You did good. That's right. All right. All right, everybody. Listen, I uh, want everybody to have a great week. Uh, be safe. Continue to be safe. And we will see you next week on another episode of Bill Roden on Sports. Everybody, God bless. See you later. listening to believe you can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform check us out at believe.com and search for b-l-e-a-v on youtube you know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks that's what our podcast people are the worst brings you with each episode i'm rachel And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.